Sometimes you get lucky and your game is an instant hit without investing in growth. For everyone else, there's IronSource. IronSource is a game tech company which builds technologies that helps you guys take your games to the next level. The company is developing the leading growth engine for mobile games, offering a robust monetization management platform and data-driven user acquisition platform. What sets IronSource apart is their ability to close the monetization and marketing loop to help developers supercharge growth in a super efficient way. So whether you're looking to drive revenue or to scale your audience smartly and ROI positively, IronSource is the perfect partner for you. We here at Deconstructor Fund are giant fans of IronSource because it's truly a growth platform that a developer of all sizes can leverage. So we suggest that you head on to ironsource.com, that's ironsrc.com, and check out the platform for yourself. Thanks. Folks, most mobile advertisers are increasingly aware of the dangers of app install fraud. In fact, global financial exposure to app install fraud in the first half of 2020 was $1.6 billion. And even though the mobile ad industry has grown exponentially to defend itself properly against ad fraud, the potential amount of damage is still extremely high and fraudsters will always want a piece of that pie. Now, fraud methods are constantly evolving and adapting to solutions in the market. Still, staying protected and applying sophisticated anti-fraud solutions are very much a necessity for all marketers. As you all know, our good partner AppSlyer offers super robust fraud protection, making sure you're not paying for that bogus traffic. AppSlyer is also perhaps the best attribution platform on mobile a true foundation for your marketing tech stack, giving you all the tools to drive that marketing success. And listen, it's not only us at here at Deconstructor of Fun raving about apps, Liar, Playrix, Tencent, Playtica, Square Enix, Huge Games, all of these companies and many more are using Apps Liar to boost their business. So go to appsflyer.com and get yourself attribution and fraud protection you can trust. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Twig 100. Well, folks, this is our 100th episode of Twig, so quite a few episodes. So we decided to do a bit of a retrospective today and take a look at the future. On the podcast, we have myself, Joe Kim, Eric Kress, Adam Telfer, and back for number 100, Mishka Katkoff. Been busy building a studio and stuff like that. We'll hear more about that later, but we've got the full crew here, but don't worry. Before we go into this retrospective and other crap that some of you guys may not be interested in, we're going to give you a quick news update from Adam. Before we go into the updates, anything else that anyone wants to update our audience about? Anything I, exciting? I just want to say that not everybody's a superhero like JK. I mean, this guy is <laughs> building a company, running a podcast, running a YouTube channel, writing stuff on LinkedIn, writing, <laughs> uh, running a newsletter. And, um, and damn, like, you know, I had to take a breather and oh, three kids. Like, like that's <laughs> <laughs> the three kids are like the last thing on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like suffering, not suffering, down there. <laughs> not suffering. I'm challenged with one kid. <laughs> this guy has three kids and does like three times more output than I do. So, so shout out to JK. I had to take a breather from, uh, from twigs. <laughs> I can tell JK just doesn't sleep. I think I think he gets some extra hours in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's funny because this week has been like last week we were complaining because there just wasn't any news, um, and then this week when we have the clip show, um, there's been some pretty massive bits of news. Yeah, so we'll the huge news. Yeah, I'll go through it pretty quickly. We'll cover it in much more in detail, I think, in the next twigs. Um, so like the biggest thing, of course, was Xbox versus PlayStation. So pricing reveals have just started. Um, so uh, Xbox basically confirmed that they have a Series S, which is their digital only, say, smaller SKU, which is going for $300. And then you've got the $500 for the Series X, which is the, the, the big mama Xbox. Um, PS5 is rumored to be revealing their price this week. Um, and they're rumored to be to be going for 400 for the digital only SKU and then 500 for the the big one. Um, so Xbox also announced that they would have subscription and a financing option, which is roughly 25 to 35 dollars per month. Um, and I think on top of that, there is some Game Pass, or at least it, like Game Pass would be bundled in that um, if you were financing for long enough. But yeah, we'll cover this next twig, especially as uh, PlayStation pricing gets confirmed. 
Uh, also, Nintendo was rumored to be asking developers to be preparing for 4K, which is completely contrary to what we advised last twig. Um, so Switch Pro looks like more signs that it's on the way. Also, Apple has, has uh, changed their App Store policies around content subscriptions and streaming, kind of. So Game Pass, Stadia, etc., can all actually exist on the App Store, but each game that is streamed within their service needs to be submitted as its own separate app on the App Store for review by Apple, and then all in-game spend within there needs to actually go through Apple's payments processing. So it would take a 30% cut, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that's the whole, that's, yeah, defeats the whole purpose. So unworkable. Yeah. I, I'm also wondering whether Steam Link will actually get pulled into this, but we'll cover that next week. And then lastly, like the big news that actually just dropped this morning, NVIDIA acquires ARM for $40 billion. So, um, I, I don't have too much insights here, but uh, we should definitely have a discussion on that next week. Yeah, it does seem like the potential implications of that could be pretty significant. I just don't personally understand it that well, so hopefully yeah. we can dive deeper into that. But in terms of the retrospectives, some of the topics that we will cover moving forward here is one, just kind of review the history and origins of Twig. Secondly, talk about some of the biggest lessons that we've learned and some of the things that we think we've done well as well as not so well. Third, talk about some of the biggest news that we've covered over these past hundred Twig episodes. Fourth, we'll talk about the future of Twig, like some of the things that we want to improve and change. And then finally, talk about some of our favorite podcast episodes and ones that we would recommend you go back and actually listen to. But opening it up with the first point, uh, I thought we could start with the origin and history of Twig and Mishka. Take us back to that first podcast episode. Could you, maybe we could let the audience know how this whole thing kind of started off. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we do that, there was an actual, a prehistory history that we haven't discussed, I don't think on the podcast was, Joseph reached out to me randomly and said, hey, we should do a podcast together. And I totally ghosted him, <laughs> right? And it's not because I didn't want to do it because I absolutely love podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts forever. It was just, I was, it just seemed like too much work and I was just freaking lazy, right? So then I started listening to these guys uh, a few months later because they, they started it up on their own and obviously it was terrible without me. So uh, <laughs> I called up Joseph. I said, dude, you guys need me badly because your podcast is super boring and there's no energy. Uh, and so then I joined and I've been on the show ever since. At least that's how I remember it, Joseph. That's pretty much accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like the podcast started in like in 2017. I actually went today and looked at when the first episodes came in. And yes, Eric, you're absolutely right. It was very boring. <laughs> the, the, the goal was to just have like sort of a, like uninterrupted conversations about interesting topics and write less and talk more. Uh, and um, yeah, it was kind of going. It, it was kind of whatever. Uh, then we moved back to Finland. And I met up with Harry from Play Adventures, and he actually hooked me up with a studio space uh, for a podcast. And he said, like, I have a guy who knows, who has like a podcasting thing. Like I was just getting into it. We had lunch and he was like, he knew a guy who, who knows how to do things. So I had this podcasting studio in downtown of Helsinki. And that's where we, me and JK recorded our first episode. You remember that? Yeah. So JK was visiting and I was like, I was like, dude, you have to meet me up on a, on a, on a Saturday and we're going to go to this, <laughs> this building in the same location with the Cuban embassy. So don't worry about it. <laughs> we're going to just go there. And, um, and then we recorded our first episode there. And what happened was, was JK was like super self-critical and wanted more reps. Like you really didn't like your, your first recording, even though I thought yeah. that was a, it was a pretty decent <laughs> podcast. Like it did, it did good numbers. And you talked about, you talked about the same topic. It's like working with big IPs. It was the same yeah. talk yeah. as we did at RovioCon. So, so we're kind of like bouncing off different ideas and <laughs> how to get more reps and just how to do this more. And I was having a little bit of a, it's a hassle to get guests, especially since I had a physical location. So I could go the route of, like Joachim has been doing, he's been talking to basically every everybody in Finland. But uh, but um, but yeah, it was it was a little bit challenging. But uh, we came up with something that is both valuable in terms of uh, it makes sense to listen to it, and is easy 
to produce content. So that, that became Twig because it's news that you would read. Sometimes you would have to read it, but we would kind of read them for you. And for us, it's easy to produce the content. We don't have to come up with new ideas. What like for every week, you know, like, oh, this is important in game development. Like, no, these are the news and we're going to talk about it. So now I think we're kind of like a free-to-play game at Twig 100 because you have the steady level content treadmill, which is the Twig, but we still have the deep dives with different guests. And those are like the events. So we balance it through. And overall, like we've discussed this and, and the pillars of Twig is, is like, and the podcast overall, like it has to be relevant insightful and, and entertaining. And while it was relevant when Joseph and I started, it was somewhat insightful, but not as insightful as with Adam and definitely not as entertaining since Eric joined. So I think like with the four of us, like it, it really hits those pillars really well. And it's personally, I've listened to every episode and I would still be listening to it even if I had nothing to do with it. And I, there's a lot of episodes where I haven't been and I still continue to to listen to it. And I think it's like what you guys are doing, it's like arguably the best games news podcast in, in the business and definitely the numbers prove it. And when you look at Twigs, like JK has been sharing it, we have like what, over 80% retention from people starting to listen to our episode that listen throughout uh, yeah, the whole yeah. episode. Even the, uh, the non-climatic ending of it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, uh, do, does everybody have anything? No, okay, yeah, bye, bye. <laughs> It's, it's like a Zoom call. <laughs> We're yeah, all done, right? <laughs> it, doesn't even, it doesn't even say like, hey, um, give us feedback on this or remember to subscribe or like us or send a DM. It's like, um, do you have anything? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, bye. And then JK puts a sound of like a cow at the end. <laughs> so despite that, despite that, it's retaining incredibly well. It's like idle minor tycoon retention. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was like one comment you made, Mishka, because that first podcast episode, I was so bad. But then the comment that you made that made me really want to do a podcast was uh, the comment where you said that it took you 10 episodes for you to get better at podcasting. And I was just like, man, I, what I need for myself, just for me to improve, is a format that's repeatable and easy so I can just get more reps. So that's really why I personally wanted to kind of do this uh, podcast and, and go with the twig format just, just because of that. But yeah, it's, you know, with the, the growth that we've seen, it seems like sometimes if you do something for yourself, other people can find value in it too. So that's, I thought that was uh, interesting. So maybe moving on to the next topic in terms of lessons learned from doing twig, what are things that you guys have learned or what, what are, what are some of the things that, um, you know, just from working on Twig that, that you thought were valuable. And I, I can go ahead and start and expand uh, on that last topic, something that I call the, the Naruto effect, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys watch anime, but Naruto is like this guy who turned his weakness, which was controlling like the, you know, like the magic in Naruto, like he had problems doing cloning. And so he turned his biggest weakness into his strength. And so for me, I kind of feel like that's, kind of what allowed me to be a little bit more successful in terms of twig. It's just like, because I suck so bad and not that I'm great now, but that taking something where I was very weak and trying to turn that into something I'm a lot stronger in. For me, that was the biggest lesson that some of the things that you can be weak in, you can turn into a strength. And just for me, the point that I actually think that it, instead of like going for massive quality that actually just consistency and quantity and just the reps that we've been doing just being consistent doing this every week has been I think uh, more valuable than just going for like extreme quality I have to say that I really appreciated that and I still do from like the from like your characteristics like it's not common that somebody would suck at something and be like you know what let me do this more so that I don't suck at it. Like it's very unusual, like whether it is sports, like usually it happens in sports where people are like, ah, fuck this, I'm not good at tennis. I'm not gonna play tennis, it's a stupid game. But you're the type of guy who would come in and get wrecked in tennis or basketball and it would come in like the next day and be like, no, I really wanna get good at this. <laughs> so, so I think that's really admirable. Well, I think another, another nuance to that is that for, uh, until about, I would say, maybe a year or two back, I had been subscribing to this. There's a Silicon Valley notion that you always play to your strengths, play to your strengths. 
And so what I'm calling the, the Naruto effect here, and something that it was influenced by this really great book called You Can't Hurt Me. It's, it's about this ex-Navy SEAL by the name of David Goggin. This fantastic book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, but he actually, so do you play to your strengths or this notion of turning a weakness into a strength, right? I, and I think that's situational. There, there are times I think that you should think about both. And so for me, I never had thought about weakness into strength. And then I, I think just working on this podcast has made me think more about that as well as reading uh, or listening to the, the David Goggins book as well. No, I completely agree. Like going to going from like a, a quarterly blog post where I was deconstructing a game um, where it was all about quality and I would constantly get in my own head about uh, design or, or looking at this game and feeling like I've missed out parts going back and forth between it. And now all of a sudden going to a podcast where it's going on a week to week basis where we just have to have, you know, try to look past the headlines um, has really kind of um, uh, changed my mindset completely. I really appreciate it actually. But I have to say like now, whenever I read articles, I have a little voice of Eric in my head that immediately says this article is bullshit. And I'm just trying to find and sniff out where all the bullshit is. Um, it's really funny, actually. Like my whole mentality, Eric has turned me into like a cynical asshole. It's great. It's great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm glad I could uh, I could help you there. <laughs> but no, it's also just been good to challenge me on my assumptions of the market. It's been great, um, especially we we have all these guest hosts that come on board, and after the show, we get to learn and chat about a whole different bunch of topics, right? And actually hear different perspectives on the industry. Um, so that's been great. And I think also as well, like whenever we've been deconstructing games almost live based on kind of like instant feedback, um, it's been interesting, like where I always kind of focus on say, uh, systems design, economy, progression, et cetera. Joe's been um, much more feedback on things like product strategy, which I definitely appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I, on the flip side, I was actually very shocked at even you guys's I assume that everyone reads this crap on the press and kind of assumes that it's all full of shit, right? Uh, because all these articles are completely crafted in IGN and, you know, GameSpot and all these places are just crafted by people that are just completely beholden upon the publishers, right? So there's no real truth out there when it comes to this sorts of thing. So I assume that everyone was cynical and I guess I was wrong because I'm sitting here with non-cynical people. So I'm glad I could bring that and uh and corrupt all of you uh on on looking at things a little bit more cynically because it is all bullshit at the end of the day you know enthusiast press is just that that's what it is right they just are love everything there is to know about gaming and anytime any pr person from microsoft or sony or ea gives them a bone they just go with it right and it's just all crap most of the time particularly ign those guys are still kind of moronic when it comes to actually the business side of gaming. Uh, there are some actually good, kind of funny is really good. Giant Bomb are really good. But IGN are just shills, you know, more or less. Um, and that's part of the reason why the, uh, the store is so bad at Apple. It's, it's all IGN guys, right? Um, anyway, just got to throw Apple under the bus <laughs> a little bit. Uh, <laughs> but, but but for me, that you have a Google phone these days and Epic is fighting the good fight so that yes. we keep consistency yes, throughout yes, the yes. episodes. <laughs> So I guess one of the things that I always think uh, podcasts have always been for me, something that's been really useful in terms of kind of deconstructing what's actually happening out there. Because when you get people on podcasts, they have to, they speak the truth, right? When they write articles in enthusiast websites, it's all prefab bullshit, right? And it's just PR nonsense, right? But when you, when they actually get behind this, get, get from behind the scenes and, and get on a podcast, they speak more truth about what they really think about games and the, and the market and stuff. And so I've always been using podcasts my whole career when I'm covering video games to just get more to the truth about what's happening in, in this business. And I, and, and doing a podcast now has actually been, that's been the best thing is for me to like actually start to speak some more truth about what's really going on out there. And it's, kind of liberating in a way to like get my opinion out there because I listened to a lot of these people talk about this stuff and even on the podcasts that I listen to now particularly the IGN ones and these guys just don't know what they're talking about like for 
I just, this, this last weekend, they were talking about this $300 SKU from Microsoft and they're like saying, oh yeah, for, you know, everyone that's suffering right now, like $300 is a great price point and all this stuff. That's all bullshit, right? The $300 price point is not, may, may help like down the line for people that are more budget conscious, but anybody that's going out and buying consoles are not going to buy the $300 SKU this first year, right? It's going to be the $500 SKU primarily. So uh, they just don't, I don't know, just stuff like that just drives me insane. Yeah, and I, I was going to comment on that before, but yeah, the $300 SKU is stupid, in my opinion. I don't think that's going to really move the needle for them. But the $500 is a good price point for the big one, the better one. Anyway, all right, I'm done. I'm done. All right, I'd say from, from the learning side, it's, uh, for me, like, I'm the only non-native. I mean, Adam is Canadian. <laughs> the accent is getting, <laughs> is getting, is getting, is getting more pronounced with every episode now that you move back, eh? <laughs> Do I, actually, so, do I actually sound more Canadian now? Yes, oh. yes. I listen to it, and I'm, I swear, like, in a year, I'll hear you, like, logging wood on the background. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so I'm, like, the only non-native. So, for me, it's absolutely the ability to, the ability to formulate my thoughts verbally is, is, uh, is great. So, having these reps, and that's, like, been a big learning experience. And the second one is, is really listening, because I feel like not a lot of time these days we listen to others, like whether you're in a meeting at a company or a Zoom call, you're kind of doing your own thing. Uh, but in the podcast, whether it's Twig and especially the, um, the, the interviews that we do, it's a lot focusing, focused on listening. So I think that's, that's very valuable and it's great to have uh, these type of platforms where you can just really get, get to dive deep into a conversation with somebody. On the negative side, and there was, <laughs> there's some negative learnings as well, I do have to say that whatever somebody... Eric uh, says on on the on the podcast <laughs> tends to bounce back some somehow to me. So and and let's not go deep into that, Eric. Like <laughs> we gotta and, tell uh, the story. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. There's no stories. There's no stories, and it's it's just uh, and Apple. I I also I also like to talk some shit some sometimes, and um, for me it's just fun. Like I, I don't I don't consider it seriously, and and like if you're face to face with me, I'm, I'm just having fun. But when you're listening through a podcast, and I, and I might be, um, you know, saying, saying something, I don't, I don't mean bad. But when you listen through it, yeah, they, 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 people take it in the wrong way. So it's a lot of learning on communication, and what kind of a, a podium or, or a platform is good for joking. But overall, I, I'd say this has been, as you guys mentioned, the, um, the ability to read news in a totally different way is um is something that that i've learned through this and yeah i'll actually talk about it in a, in a while when, when we go through some key news and i'll just highlight in a way that that um how my ability to read and interpret news has improved through twig so uh -huh. i got one question for you <laughs> like having to deal with eric constantly you know <laughs> uh basically like throwing stones at all these people and coming back to you <laughs> Eric constantly throws Rovio under the bus, <laughs> like all the time. How is it to be head of studio at Rovio, but knowing that you're running a podcast where Eric is basically saying that Rovio is garbage? Yeah, well, the thing is, as, <laughs> as, as Eric said, he's a guest star. Like you remember like back in Melrose Place, they had Heather Lockler. She was guest star throughout the time because apparently she wasn't the nicest person, so they couldn't have her again. So, so we just we keep Eric as a, as a guest star uh, forever, but he's not officially associated <laughs> with, with this. Nothing that he says can be held against any of no, us. Yeah. No, 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 no. We barely know this guy, and we just think he's fun. So All right. Fine. I'm gonna balance. I'm doing my own goddamn podcast. <laughs> Enough of you guys. No, no. To to be honest, like like it's um. Yeah, that, that's that's tough. That's tough uh, because Eric goes hard on the paint, and and usually at the targets that are very big platform holders <laughs> or the places where where I work at, and um, and of course these are just opinions, and these opinions are not like we we don't have a discussion beforehand and go through like, hey Eric, you you might you might say this, I might say that. It's it's um it's his opinion, and I think. I think every every well-constructed opinion is valuable. And I don't want this podcast to be a, a sort of um, 
advertisement or, or a PR strategy for, for random news from, from companies that we like, and we will, we will tell the message that they want us to tell. No, people listen to it because they want insights. And if Eric feels that Rovio or somebody else is not doing a right thing or, or their latest product launch, whatever it is based on public information, if he has an opinion, then he's allowed to express that opinion. That's it. That's, that's, that's in the end how it works. You can't, you can't cancel me. God damn it. <laughs> that's a really bad last word you can say, but, <laughs> but, but overall, like it's about integrity. Right. I, I will say that that's one of the, I think biggest advantages of this podcast is because the conversation is so open and it's not just about having open discussion and debate, but it's also just one thing that's valuable for me is just the ability to state stuff and be wrong and not be so precious about it. Right. And I, I think that that's something that really plagues the industry and a conversation I had with someone else uh, very recently about how there are so many people, especially executives that are so precious about being right or appearing to be right all the time. And they'll try to protect themselves from like appearing wrong. But here on this podcast, we say so much, there is shit talking. And when we're wrong, we're just like, oh, fuck it. Well, I fucked that up. Big deal. And so I think that's actually a valuable lesson that anyone can take away from this podcast is that we're not going to be so precious and that it's about open debate. It's about having real discussions, but also just the fact that we're, we're totally willing to, to be wrong on stuff. I'm always right. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've never been wrong. <laughs> All right. Biggest news. Since <laughs> Who won that Call of Duty bet? <laughs> <laughs> it was COVID, man. It was all about COVID. If it wasn't for COVID, I would have been right. I can't predict. Right. Okay. I true. I can't predict global pandemics. That That's true. That is true. Come on, Eric. Come on. <laughs> all right. So we had 100 episodes of news. So in your opinions, uh, what has been the biggest news we've covered so far? And um, I can go ahead and start and say, one, very recent, Epic versus Apple. Second is IDFA, which is coming up. And third for me is like, I've always felt like the Supercell CEO year yearly reviews, I know Mishka, you cover uh, that every year, but I felt that that's important news because it, for, at least for me, provides an opportunity to kind of reflect about from a first principles perspective, what kind of approach is your company taking that the, the fact that Supercell does take a different approach and really thinking about is the approach that your company taking or the approach that Supercell taking, is, is that fundamentally the correct way of doing things? Is there a better way? And for, to, to be able to think about that at a very fundamental level for me has been very useful. Yeah, anybody who wants to grow it. 40% less than the previous year. You know, let's, let's do what Supercell does. Yeah, good. Good idea. Hey, they're very profitable, dude. That's, that's, that's all that counts for me. All yeah. right. At, yeah, at I've, I've got two because I would say on the mobile side, we've got some recency bias, but I don't think you can really go beyond IDFA, right? Like looking back at all the different twigs and I look back at all the different topics that we've ever talked about, I just didn't really see anything that had the same permanent impact on the mobile games industry as much as IDFA will, right? Um, like even Epic versus Apple, I think is, is entertaining uh, looking from the outside in, right? Um, but unlikely to have kind of like major ripple effects on the industry. Um, something like Supercell's reviews have always been great to, to read as well as like Nintendo really messing up on mobile. Those are all big headlines. But I wouldn't say it, it really has the same lasting impact that IDFA will have. And secondly, in, in terms of console, um, this has always been like a, a lighter article, but Tencent's PC console acquisitions through the last years, that would be my biggest one, right? Like the rate at which they're acquiring the top future-facing talent. And like recently, that's Layu slash Digital Extremes, but also studios like Grinding Gear Games. Tencent is uh, really putting together a pretty masterful strategy. And I feel like that was the biggest two headlines. So IDFA on mobile and Tencent on console. Eric? Yeah, I'll definitely agree with you on the console side. I think what Tencent's doing in this space is, is fascinating, both on mobile and console for that matter. Um, and I think that's something to watch going forward and to see if the government starts to get involved with um, the gaming side of Chinese companies. Um, that, that, that'll be a kind of an ongoing thing. But I, 
I think my biggest takeaway from this last 100 episodes is basically all the news related to how bad app bad Apple has been. You know what a bad actor they are in this space. Uh, people don't talk about it a lot because you know Apple is very vindictive and they'll come after you with lack of featuring or just not a lot of support and you know getting blacklisted by Apple is a fear that I think everyone has. But you just cannot deny as an observer of this industry at how bad Apple has become in terms of what how they <clears throat> excuse me how they're treating their partners and uh, the store redesign, Metal, IDFA, Apple Arcade, you know, re refusing Stadia and xCloud on their service. I mean, they're just a huge bully and everyone seems terrified um, to talk about it. And while, you know, Google, Facebook and Amazon have, you know, gotten their reputation drawn through the mud, you know, Apple still, you know, gets off scot-free because I think, their focus has been so much on on promoting their privacy issues. But I think they are a big bully and they've been taking advantage of their partners for years and years and years. And I'm just hoping that we can help, you know, call them out on it and join Team Sweeney and try to make them change their ways. Probably we won't, but <laughs> but that's been the most fun for me is kind of just calling out their hypocrisy and, and their nonsense. So anyway. We will uh, keep covering it and see see how this all turns out. But uh, I think that's been the most fun for me is kind of just calling all this stuff out. Well, how good you? that you're able to tell what you really feel. So personally, I'm looking at my Apple Watch and my Apple phone and my Mac <laughs> computer, and I'm very much enjoying the Apple products, whether it comes to software or the product side. So that is a personal opinion of Mr. Eric Kress, who also has a Google Pixel phone <laughs> these days. Uh, but I do have to say, out of the uh, the interesting news is, of course, the Epic versus Apple battle because it's just such a high profile, and you can't miss the IDFA news. Like, it's by far the most listened podcast that we ever done was was the one with uh, with uh, Suford and uh, Evgeny Paris from from Iron Source. So IDFA is definitely on on top of it all, and and we were able to record pretty quickly after after all the changes were coming in. Uh, but what I've mostly enjoyed is kind of weaving through reading between the lines and JK you mentioned the other uh, superstar article and those have been actually one of my favorites ones because there's there's not a lot of CEO blogs coming in and um, where JK sees and, and a lot of others see sort of like a benevolent company and I'm not saying anything you know bad about it I try to just understand why the CEO is talking about certain things and ignoring others because we can all kind of see the numbers so um, when we take an example, the supercell, it's like there's a lot of the, the underlying thing that has been happening throughout the couple of years is is what we see on the product side. And what we see there is that the strategy and the, and, and the approach that they had before that led them to the top doesn't seem to be enough to get them with the new products to the top or, or keep them there. And that's normally not a problem because they have infinite funds. But the ethos of supercell is still staying small. Yet at the same time, there's a significant pressure to grow the team sizes in order to cater to the live operations because, you know, we, we play Clash Royale, we play our Clash of Clans. There's just not enough content coming in to compare to others. And, um, and that sort of a pressure of growing teams while your whole core has been always about small teams is very interesting to, to, to kind of see in the text. So the way I approached is, I always, almost feel like you're kind of like archaeologist of this. You're trying to go through all the layers of PR because you have to be crazy, JK, if you think that Supercell CEO is writing these blog posts. Like not every CEO is able to, to run multiple podcasts and newsletters and <laughs> write on LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. So I don't expect uh, the CEO of Supercell or any other CEO to be writing these. Uh, I think I think there's there's sort of a message that they that these people are trying to con to convey, and um, I think it goes through multiple iterations with a PR agency, but nevertheless, the the uh, the message comes from the CEO. Like there are certain points that the CEO wants to talk about. So once you start stripping down the layers of PR on top on, that are piled on top of it, you kind of get to see that oh okay so these are the real challenges and this is how they wrestle with them. And this is, this is what's, what, what's going on. So in other words, I believe I've gotten more appreciation towards PR and there are some companies that do it extremely well and they can change the perception of their company, even without actually delivering on, on what 
they are supposed to in the, in the, in the kind of like a normal KPIs. And not all the companies are able to do that. Some companies do PR and they actually get more negative than positive out of it. And since I'm giving PR shout outs, I want to give a, a specific one to a specific person. And in my opinion, like currently the best PR lead in games has to be Brittany Geldmacher from, from Scopely, um, who I personally, and I think we all wish nothing but the best on her maternity leave. Uh, but I think what, what Scopely is like Scopely's communication uh, with all their, their stuff that is coming in through, through different channels. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's one of the best. Uh, you know, it's not Supercell because Supercell has such a unique story and everybody could, could read it all the time. But for a company like Scopely, um, I think their, their messaging has been really great. Awesome. All right, so shifting to the future, the future of Twig. What can we do better and how can we make this something better for our audience? And maybe just to start with a few thoughts from me, I've been thinking more about how could Twig kind of fill the void of the game conferences, right? So like the game conferences are on decline. I think we're kind of getting there to some degree by doing some of the deep dives. Uh, I know, Mishka, you're doing a lot more now as well, but hopefully that can fill the void. But I do feel like there is a void. And especially the, the other part that I think is missing the most is on the networking side, right? Like you go to a conference and, and just that opportunity to meet with other people in, in, in the industry. I'm not saying that that's the thing that we can kind of fill the gap against, but probably the part that is not being addressed the most from the game conferences. So we'll see what happens there. I think that uh, there has been a growth uh, to some degree in, in terms of the growth of like private Slack communities and things like that. But I don't know. I do think that coronavirus has accelerated the private community stuff, but a more open kind of networking thing would be something that I hope that somebody can address and, and we'll see. Maybe that's the one part that we can address a little bit better. Any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing about the future of Twig, we need more feedback from our listeners. So yeah. um, like the biggest thing is like, if, if you're listening to this, right, is, is to contact us out on, on Twitter or email us or I don't know, what other ways can we actually ask them to like on LinkedIn DM LinkedIn, us? yeah, I get a lot yeah. of LinkedIn messages. Yeah, because it, <laughs> we, we throw a lot of stones, right? Um, myself personally, I give a lot of feedback on games constantly throw them under the bus for not being, um, you know, deep enough or thinking through their monetization and live plans. But I'm making pretty massive assumptions about what's actually happening under the hood. And I think I'm ignoring a lot of the issues that I think pretty much every game team has around production and development that always happens, right? Um, for example, it was a great uh, conversation that you had, Joe, with Damien from Might and Magic after we completely threw their game under the bus. Um, but to actually have a conversation with them and, and start talking through, here's the challenges, like here's the issues that we came, we, we came up with. Uh, what do you guys think? As well as like the conversation we had with um, the guys from Manticore. Um, just because I think in general, we should be challenged more on our assumptions and get a lot more varied opinions because we're doing this based on public data, which is in a lot of cases inaccurate. Um, and we, we need more varied opinions. And we also tend to agree a lot um, because I think just in general, we're all pretty business-minded. Like it was good to have the, the podcast with Dan Bailey, um, who actually countered a lot of our opinions. Um, as well, like we, we predict a lot of things, like in the case of Valorant, we predicted that Valorant would not be able to monetize all of that effectively. All indicators using public data right now are, are that it's fine. So it would be good to get somebody on that actually understands cosmetic economies better to actually challenge us that when we're you know, looking at some of these games, um, what, what we're what we're getting wrong there. And I think as well, like just more deeper dive interview episodes, I think those are great. Um, and a potential, I think for live Q and A, just because sometimes um, like you'll have the conversation, Joe, with, with the people, and it'd be great to actually have a lot more of that live Q and A that you have on your YouTube channel. Um, but I just think in general, like you, I'm, I agree with you in terms of um, moving towards a conference, right? Like due to COVID, there really is no networking right now. And most conferences are basically just a digital presentation and then like Q&A. Um, I'd really like to open up our like Slack and conversation channels to a bigger network and just get more streams of feedback because I think um, getting everybody, you know, into a Slack channel, constantly posting this weekly information and then getting those people to actually give us direct and honest feedback about that content, 
uh, would be a great channel. And I think then it's, it's not necessarily a conference, right? It's more of just a ongoing learning channel that just happens through the year, right? Uh, we just constantly have really, really smart talks, really, really smart speakers. And then we uh, have a great um, feedback channel for both networking as well as good feedback. So, so uh, we can actually do that pretty quickly. I have two comments. One of them, by the way, is I've been getting a lot of connections through LinkedIn as well. And it's almost like there's this balance of fear where, where some of the big studios want to get um, advisory on, on a game that they're working on just because they don't want that game to end up on Twig to be... <laughs> <laughs> being destroyed on because of the wrong product strategy, wrong monetization. Like, hey, we let's let's set up some something because we don't want to end up on Twig. That has been a uh, constant call. So on the good side, it drives the advisory uh, service that we provide. On the bad side, I, I, don't, I don't hope that there's there's positives of being on Twig, not just like, oh my God, these guys. Three one things, one thing here I will definitely say, all the games that I work on will definitely end up on Twig and just will get completely destroyed. <laughs> because the reality is, is that like there's so much complexity around productions of these games, right? Um, it gets very, very hard to kind of see through the trees and get the bigger picture. I think especially yeah. the big product strategy. And that's why you have to bring in consultants on a regular basis to give you that perspective and constantly yeah. ask your colleagues and network you know, like, am I doing the right thing? Can you poke holes at this? And if you're not doing that, then clearly you're just kind of leading yourself, uh, leading yourself deeper into the woods. I 100% agree. And I like those advisor things because it then forces you to look back on what you're doing. So it's it's really interesting to to go through one of these big companies like, uh, you know, pre, pre, pre-production green light decks and so forth, where they, where they going through their monetization strategy and how they're thinking and so forth. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, the second thing was what I want to say is like, Oh, we can open up, like we have a deconstructor of fun slack. Uh, it's been previously like quite close, not typical for us, but it's been close to only those who have been published. Uh, but we can, we can open it up if that's uh, if that's something that, that people want, there's been a lot of requests for people wanting to join. Uh, but, Till this day, we haven't opened it up, but we can. Dude, we could open you, it up. You kicked out Nebu, dude. Get Nebo back in there. I didn't kick him out. Yeah, you did. What do you mean? Anyway, check you check the roster, dude. You kicked what? him out. I think Nebo just left on his own. Just didn't like yeah. her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm. I, I'll agree. I think uh, feedback is always good. I like to be called out. You know, I, I spent most of my time talking to people that I consider smarter than me, and 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 they always call me out on my bullshit. And that's the only way I get smarter and, and, and think about things more critically. Um, Cause you know, I sound like I'm so opinionated, but ultimately my opinions are just based upon conversations with people that know the stuff better than I, generally speaking. Um, I really want to do a live podcast too, uh, somewhere like GDC or dice or something. I think that would be really fun or tragic one of the two but it would be really cool to take live questions uh from the audience and stuff we, we could start doing the twigs live and then just have people like on the chat people yeah. get, get COVID, right no 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 no, no. <laughs> just like through zoom we just add yeah. a whole bunch of, no yeah. i have okay that's fine too i'm I, i'm more like when the world comes back to normal mm. like actually do something live that'd be really oh, I fun. Think, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a good idea and we have uh we have some awesome partners that would definitely help to facilitate. Uh, hmm. Yeah, yeah, most of them will help to facilitate. We have all kind of different partners. Some of them might need us to go through what we're talking about and maybe have a little like a one-on-one -on -one with Eric <laughs> in terms of like what kind of stones we're throwing today. But but we also, yeah, I, I think that could be totally doable, especially with you. I don't know, actually, Adam is not anymore in California. So it'd be, it'd be, yeah. I'm not going back to California. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, been there, done that. Uh, but I think that's a that's a really good idea. I'd I'd love to to do a, a live it, cast. We could still do a digital stream, right? Like it's not as nice as in person, but we could still yeah, do it. You could do it. It's on just Twitch. like I, that means that I actually have to like shower and get ready for the podcast and look presentable. <laughs> but one yeah. nice thing about this podcast is that we can all look disgusting, and it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Just the voice of radio. Yeah, yeah. Talk about yourself, but yes. Um, so <laughs> I'm just. Um, anyway, uh, 
I think I think the live cast thing, like I'm going through my own notes. I think the live cast thing is great, and you can do it on Twitch. I think that's one of the uh, one of the platforms where it's pretty easy to to add commentary. I don't know again how how much of our audience is there, and what I hear a lot about uh, the people who are listening to this podcast, they they listen through it while doing other chores, like they're busy, um, they might be commuting and so forth. So so hence hence there's not a lot of feedback. But but again, this is the type of question that we need to ask our audience. Like, hey guys, if you want us to do these virtual uh, recordings where you can call on Eric's bullshit every time when he says it and just have a have a have him rant on something like for example Wudu uh, receiving a major investment from Tencent uh, <laughs> or Glue's latest numbers you can you can just you can just throw it in there and he'll address by the way Glue's going their stocks going through the sh- the floor right now it's under seven bucks uh, I again. <laughs> I was I was right, but I was too early on this on this one. But even yeah. remember the the episode with Paul Beleza, right? Like from Riot, with like the person from Riot, like ER <laughs> sitting right next to them, head, head in their hands as like Eric's just being dude. like all strategy shit. <laughs> I the, dude, they, they well, what are they? One out of three have done well. The products. Yeah, that's it's still better than Rovio. One out of three. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Oh my god. Fuck. Romeo is like the poster child of fail on mobile, you know? <laughs> what are you talking about? The revenue is up. Uh the company's doing pretty well. The stock Wait, is up. Let me go check let me go check the stock price real quick. Hold on a minute. Let me uh Bloomberg.com. <laughs> <laughs> like right, you just threw this out of your ass. Positive. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm this, this is how you call Eric out. Like he's not right about these things. Like Rovio, he's not right about this thing. Anyway, let's move on to the okay. next one. <laughs> yeah, so wrapping this all up. So for our audience, if they have missed an episode, I wanted to ask you guys about some of your favorite episodes for people to go back and listen to. And from my perspective, there's two that I like. One was like this conversation I had with uh, Nicholas Herger called After Crisis, where we just kind of thought about implications of, of COVID and just had like a deeper discussion than, than typical. So I, I thought that that was for me personally, like one of my favorite episodes. And then kind of talking about the Naruto effect, right? Like weakness into what I'm trying to turn into a strength is I've always sucked at company culture. I've always, I've been more of a guy who just like wants to get my work done and not really thought about it. But the conversation that we had with Riot's Angela Roseborough and just looking at the given like a lot of companies are having a lot of game companies in particular are having a lot of challenges with diversity inclusion things like that and the conversation more generally about company culture and some of the changes that angela has been affecting at riot i thought was um, really great and so for me those two after crisis and the episode we had with angela rosebar eric Dude, I got it. I mean, dude, the Sweeney thing, man. The fact that you got Sweeney on the podcast is just so remarkable. That's yeah. got to be the best. Yeah, that, that was a highlight too. Yeah. Yeah. It turned Eric from from Sweeney hater to a Sweeney lover. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, it, you turned. It, you turned it, at that point. I remember. It got, it got me like twenty five percent there. It was just after he did this whole big, you know, kerfuffle with uh, Apple. That's when things. Then I, I went to a total on Sweeney's camp because that was baller. Um, I, I, I did like the IDFA episodes are really good and I really enjoyed talking to the lawyers that really understand what we're, what, what this whole thing's all about. So that, that was good too. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, I, I, I always go back to the first rant about Apple, uh, at the Apple store where I said something along the lines of like just ranting on the, on the editorial side. Um, I always thought that was funny where. Because it was all that was all ad hoc. I didn't write that one down, so that was really funny. I thought anyway, promoting myself, of course. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think the Sweeney thing was the best get we've gotten, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say the IDFA podcast were probably the most useful. Um, also, because I'm just not that experienced with it. Um, also, I, I really appreciated the, the interview with uh, Joey Pearsall from Scopely. Um, I felt like that interview was pretty insightful. Mm. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to mention the same ones, of course, Riot's Angela Roseborough. If you haven't listened to that, it's, um, it's again, like, I think JK and I are 
have a, a little bit of a similar approach to culture where we're like, you know, let the war determine the culture <laughs> type of approach. We're just like, it's all about getting shit done and moving forward. But that definitely changed a lot of, uh, a lot of my thinkings personally and having me, like I've, I've been investing a lot into, into, into building culture, reading about cultures, like the, uh, the really good Horowitz book about what you do is who you are. I think that one is, is really fantastic. So, so that, is one of my favorites because it changed my perception so significantly from what I thought before to after the podcast. Uh, the IDFA, of course, forced a lot of learnings and, and, and great conversation with Suford and Perez. And I have to mention this one. So this is kind of flying under the radar because I think the title is not good. It's called Rantcast. Rantcast with Eric uh, Kress and, and whatnot. Like you would, you would like, assume that it's a it's a spew of hate towards apple glue rovio and who else do you hate uh hyper casual games in but and i was like i was prepared to laugh and my god that podcast episode is fantastic like you're super insightful uh it's well, well constructed like it, it's one of my favorite ones you break down the industry so well and and incredibly insightful and not as entertaining as anything else so I think the rant cast is there amongst the uh, the kind of a, like a, like a dark horses of the of the podcast episodes. Well, thank All you. Right. I didn't even consider that one. Yeah, you just listen to it yourself, and you'd be like, hmm, uh, interesting. Like now I understand why people pay to listen to you. So, so after, after the podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually a really legit corp dev guy. Oh my god, that was a Korean compliment if I ever heard one, right? <laughs> no, but it, like, it, on, like I, I would ask everybody, anybody who listened to this point of Twig 100 to go in and listen to the Rantcast. It's not a Rantcast. It's one of the best industry outlooks on, on, the, uh, on the series. All right. Well, there we have it, guys. I think that's it. So to end this as uh, in, in, in another anticlimactic way. <laughs> Adam, do you, have a, do you have a better way of ending our, our podcast today? Yeah, there, there are things. First of all, subscribe to the podcast. We would really appreciate it. Like the podcast and share. That's really helpful for us. We like to hear from you. Use whatever channels you want to use. LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm not using Twitter, but JK is probably on Twitter and Eric. Uh, if you want to send email, it's info at deconstructorofun.com. Really easy to remember. Share that and, and either JK or Eric or Adam or myself will answer to it. If you wanna get in contact, those are all possible things because we wanna hear from, from you and, and understand how would you like to interact with the content that we're creating. That's, that's I think, is the, is the key of Twig 100. All right, there it is, Twig 100, and here comes the cow. Mm -hmm.